Hey everybody, it's Josh Rutledge, your co-host for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us more, please head over to our website, fearscapepodcast.com. There you can click on store and browse some really awesome t-shirts and maybe pick a couple up, or even go to our Patreon page and see how you can support us monthly. We love bringing you awesome content just as much as you like listening to it. Enjoy the show. The following program is presented for entertainment purposes. WCHQ does not necessarily endorse the ideas presented. Fearscape is a program that explores the legends and lore around many creepy and scary things. Information is researched and presented in an entertainment fashion and is presented based off of what we found. Legends have a way of changing over time. So... Alright, welcome back, ladies and gentle germs, to Fearscape Halloween Edition. (laughs) Yes, Halloween Edition. It is Halloween week. We are super pumped. We are here on 100.9 FM WCHQ. My name is Stefan Gearhart. I am joined by my host, Josh Rutledge, as usual. What's happening? What's going on? Uh, the lights were turned on. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, they didn't, they didn't like run off or anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's as they good. don't do. Uh, but yeah, thank you for tuning in. Not only are we at WCHQ, but we're also here at the DNN, the destination nation network of podcasts. I'm super pumped for Halloween. Josh. <laughs> I love Halloween. I'm a big, like, people are like, Christmas or Halloween? And I'm like, both. I like both. But right now, it's time to get spooky. <laughs> like, I am all about the spookiness right now, man. I have, like, not shaved my arms in, in well, I've never shaved my I arms. I was say, that's <laughs> an interesting Yeah, never detail. have I ever shaved my arms, though I probably should. I'm not very hairy, so, <laughs> like, I don't. I don't grow a mustache very well. I constantly so, look like I live in the South End. So those sightings of Bigfoot, not you. No, <laughs> not me. Not unless he was a naked Bigfoot. I mean, though technically, even with fur, he's technically naked. That's, but yeah. Not unless he's just, if you see a pasty white tall streak running through the woods, that's probably me. <laughs> that's probably me. Uh, but anyways, we got a really cool episode. We're going to be talking about uh, some of our favorite monsters of Halloween and kind of where they come from. Yep. Uh, we're going to be talking about werewolves and vampires and mummies. Oh, my. And yep. more. We're going to get into that. But uh, before we get into that, I know we got a little bit of spooky news. So let's go ahead and hop. Boing, 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 boing. Right into spooky news. <laughs> All right, what do we got for spooky news? I told you I'm hyped for Halloween. Yeah, I don't really know what boink, boink, boink has to do with... Uh, I e- said hop right in. That's yeah. uh, it's a bunny okay. rat. Oh, okay, that's Easter. Yeah, well, I went to Grim Trails uh, recently, and uh, they had a whole uh, Alice in Wonderland thing happening, and the March hair was scary. It was hmm. super scary. I-, I called him the October hair, and he didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, spooky news. So this comes to us from uh, King FM which is a uh, radio station out in Wyoming. And it, it says the uh, the haunted history of F.E. Warren Air Force Base in Cheyenne. 
so it goes on to say there have been hundreds of reported ghost sightings in Wyoming. But I, no- I I tell you right now, I immediately thought this was going to be more alien oriented, being an Air Force site. So, <clears throat> but no other place in the cowboy state can match the haunted history of Effie Warren Air Force Base in Cheyenne. Unexplained mysterious events have been occurring there since Fort D.A. Russell was established over 150 years ago. For over a century, witnesses have reported the ghosts of cavalrymen dressed in uniform who patrol the base at night. Another infamous legend involves Building 34, which one once housed the hospital morgue. Anything with, like, a building and a number always sounds creepy to me. Well, on an Air Force base, every building has numbers. So. Well, I'm not going to an Air Force base. Sorry, people, but I'm not coming because you're like, and over here is Building 22. Get out! Get out now! Get out now! Sir, that's just where the showers are. Leave now! I wonder if they have the same superstitious as, like, floors and they don't have a Building oh, 13. Oh, Building 13. Yeah, maybe. That's kind know. of interesting. Yep. Anyway, so it says here, countless ghost sightings have been reported throughout the building over the years. One of the most gruesome stories involves the family campground area, Fam Camp. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to Fame Camp. That's an actor thing, but uh, some believe the site is haunted by the ghost of a young woman who was brutally assaulted and killed in the 1920s. Ugh. Others have witnessed the ghost of a nurse in Building 223, which formerly served as the living quarters for women on base. Legend has it she was one of six nurses killed by a deranged man who escaped from the hospital. Mm. The most famous legend of Effie Warren's haunted past is Gus Quarters. In the 1880, excuse me, a man named Gus was living in the barracks at Quarters 80. According to local lore, an officer returned from maneuvers one day and found his wife in bed with Gus. Gus tried to escape by jumping out of a second-story window, <laughs> but accidentally hung himself on a clothesline. Oops. Oh, my goodness. Um, ever since, airmen in the barracks have reported Gus's ghost attempting to open cabinets, moving objects around, leading some to believe that Gus is still searching for his pants. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, he's like, he removes any... Any, like, hanging line. Yeah. <laughs> you guys want to be careful for this stuff, let me tell you. I mean, you know, I wonder if Gus was hung. <laughs> he was hung by the clothesline. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, along with ghosts, Effie Warren was also the site of Wyoming's most infamous alien abduction. Ah, there it is. In August 1971, John In the Renz, 70s, yep, there we go. There we go. John Rins was headed back to the barracks after a shift. As he crossed over the Cow Creek Bridge, wonder how it got that name, Rins heard several strange noises and was approached by a mysterious being who appeared to be wearing a wetsuit. I was hoping it was going to be a guy with no pants. <laughs> <laughs> His next memory was seven hours later when he was picked up by MPs. Under hypnosis, Renz remembered being abducted and transported by aircraft to a facility where he was probed by aliens. Mm -hmm. He described Mm -hmm. a tan-skinned creature between four and five feet tall with large eyes that resembled insects and three fingers on each hand. They were in those desert fatigues. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Renz also recalled seeing several bizarre symbols inside the saucer-shaped aircraft, which he estimated had 200 alien life forms on board. Wow. 
Before returning to the base where he was abducted, Renz claims he witnessed the aliens kill several smaller creatures with triangular heads. Hmm. Well, that maybe implies a caste system. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that that's uh, that's what's all going on out there at uh, Warren Air Force Base in Wyoming. Hmm. Sounds like something we might want to look into for a later yeah, episode. Yeah. Looks kind of interesting. Very cool. I love this time of year because we, we get a lot of news stories where they talk about the different various hauntings and things yep. like that. So I wish you news folks would do this all year round, but I do appreciate when it happens this time of year. So, but yeah, so uh, interesting. So that's a little bit of spookiness. Yep. All right. uh, So I have some uh, crazy, um, creepy catch up. Um, I don't know if you have any. I have none. So so we flip flopped here. Uh, But yeah, let's go ahead and get into creepy catch up. 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 Y'all, it's creepy. So uh, I would say uh, that I had a bunch of scary, scary stuff happen to me at Grim Trails, which I did. Uh, By the way, um, you still have, I think, two more weekends to do Grim Trails or one. I don't remember. Um, but it goes into the, like the first weekend in November. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It's out in Jefferson Town. But yeah, no, nothing happened supernaturally. I just am a big wuss and got really, really scared. And my wife made fun of me, and it was awesome. Uh, I always and, have a good time. And Ed Black was there with us as well. Yeah, um, and I've heard you scream before. So I, I do, and I do. I scream like this. Literally, when I get scared, I scream. Though the occasional, they would always freak out if I'd be like, oh, because if I had my what they called my man scream, it was always followed with curse words. But when I screamed high, I was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, um, I'm like that. Um, But anyways, no, uh, a couple days ago, um, I had another night hag, um, which tends to be a lot of mine recently. I think just because I don't think my house is very haunted. Um, But anyways, I was sleeping and um, I awoke and I just out of the corner of my eye, I couldn't move, of course. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this, like, creature, this black creature that had no, you know, form really, but, you know, just arms. And I guess it did have a form, human form, you know, but it's walking around. I can't see any, like, details or anything. And then it, it turns and it looks at me and it, it seems to always know I can see it. Yeah. And so it, like, I see this big smile. So I just see the eyes, these big red eyes, and then these teeth, mm-hmm. like this big smile. And um, it reaches down and it touches my leg. And I feel like I feel like my leg dissolve, but dissolves the wrong word because it disappears mm. like when he touches it. And I can see underneath and I can see the impression of the bed from where my leg is sitting, but nothing's there. And then he pulls it back and I felt it reform. And my leg was there and then he started walking around and he climbed up on the bed and he touched my other leg or he would touch my foot or he would touch my arm and all kinds of stuff. He touched my stomach and he was just like he was laughing, but there was no sound like every time that I would like he could see panic in my eyes. He would like flip his head back very like, yeah. ha, 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 you know, like very sickeningly. And then he looks at me and does like the side look. And then starts to reach his hand towards my head. 
and like and I'm like oh god oh god oh god I don't want I don't want I don't want my head to go away and as he touches my head everything goes black and I just must have went back to sleep like it wasn't like a wake up because they they're not really like that but I just I just remember blackness and then whatever my next dream was so like, so like this one was actually you were in bed because most of yours tend to happen when you're on the couch yeah they they've happened on the bed a couple times though too the one this I've, I've had two or three were these like little ones that have long arms and they'll swing from the ceiling fan and different yeah. stuff like that but yeah this one was in bed and um you know, I don't rem- recall whether or not Sarah was there. Like, a lot of times I'm, like, worried for her. Yeah. Um, but, like, I, I didn't think about that. I was so freaked out I wasn't even thinking, so I don't have any um, explanation. I'm sure she was there, but, I mean, you yeah. know, that always kind of tells me, oh, God, was it a dream? Was well, she you, there? You got you that know? one where it's, like, she kind of rolls over. And yeah, and he waved his thing. hand. Yeah. yeah, that one creeped me out more than anything. Um, but yeah, so that happened to me. It freaked me out pretty bad. It was just really interesting because I could see, not like CGI, I mean real life, like I could yeah. see the impressions in the bed, like of where my leg was or where my hand was. Like he held it and like moved my hand up at one point, like across my face so I could like see through that there was yeah. nothing there, you know? See, I'm, I'm almost wondering if like, you know, I'm going to get into my theory on night hags, but <clears throat> it's like they live... Um, in a different dimension that mm-hmm. intersects with ours. And yeah. So when you when you have consciousness in that dimension, it's almost like you're not really there. You're astral projecting to that dimension, and then that's why you can see and interact with them. But you're not. But your body is still in bed. Yeah. And so maybe when he was like touching various parts of you and it was disappearing, he was trying to push you out of the dimension. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, my friend Santosh David. He. Uh, him and I've read this online too. If you can lucid dream, try asking everyone who they are and watch how mad they get. Um, and that traditionally lucid dreamers really struggle with that. It, that it's almost as if these creatures are like you're not supposed to know, right? They get really rage angry. Yeah. Like apparently, I can't lucid dream, so I've, I've never been able to do it. But like that's something that I've heard. Yeah, I haven't. I, I have in the past, um, but it's been several years since I've had a lucid dream. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, that's that's my creepy catch-up, and it has stuck with me for a couple days. Um, so that one just, because I could feel I could yeah. feel my leg dissolve or dissipate. Like, it yeah. was weird. It was very, very weird. I, you know, and I, I think maybe some of it has to do with that uh, dream I told you this past weekend when we hung out that I had yeah. at our friend Ed's house. Maybe that's what led to it, but I don't know. Yeah. That's something to think about. Anyways, let's get out of here. That was creepy catch-up. Creepy catch-up. Creepy catch-up. Creepy catch-up. Creepy catch-up. Y'all, it's creepy. All right, so uh, now that we're done being creeped out by my personal life, uh, let's go ahead and get into the monsters and mythos of Halloween. You know, we were going back and forth trying to decide what we wanted to do because the Halloween episode is is a difficult one because you're like, what do you do? People expect do. certain things, right? Yeah, and, you know, we talked about, you know, classic, the origins of Halloween, but, I mean, everybody does that. Yeah. Um, you know, so we just decided to take, you know, some of our favorite Halloween Hollywood-type monsters yep. and kind of see what their lore is and maybe the history of them. Yeah, what they're based on. Yeah, so, so uh, let's get cracking on that. Okay, so we're going to start off with uh, the werewolf. Yeah, werewolves. Werewolf. They're smaller Sasquatch. 
<laughs> well, you know, if if you're uh, if you're a teenager and you're a werewolf, you're a teen wolf. Yeah, teen that's wolf. Yeah. That's what I heard. Yeah, yeah, baby wolf is even different. Yeah. So, uh, so the uh, for those who who don't know, the werewolf is a mythological animal. What? It's yeah. not real. No. Uh, I want you to also say this as my sister does. She says wolf. So I'm gonna need wolf. a werewolf. 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 Wolf. 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 Wolf like W <laughs> W U F F. Yeah. So the werewolf is a mythological animal. Yep. Um, werewolves are, or werewolves are, <laughs> according to some legends, people who morph into vicious, powerful wolves. Uh, others are mutant combination of human and wolf, but all are bloodthirsty beasts who cannot control their lust for killing people and animals. Yeah, so I think traditionally in films you have uh, two st- well, two or three types. You've got your standard werewolf, where they turn into a giant wolf, right? And they're just a big, big, big old wolf, right? And, or you've got your wolf man, yeah. You know, where he still looks like a man, uh, walks on two feet, but has like furry face, nails. Right. Uh, the Lon Chaney version is the easiest one to come to yep. mind. Um, and then you've just got your ones where they just turn into a regular wolf, right? Right. So, and, and we're actually going to uh, talk a little bit about those different... Uh, Ooh. Yep, that's good stuff. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the early werewolf legends. Um, so, it, it's unclear exactly when and where the werewolf legend oriented or originated. Excuse me. Um, uh, some scholars believe the werewolf made its debut in the Epic of Gilgamesh, mm. uh, which is the uh, oldest known Western prose uh, when Gilgamesh jilted a potential lover because she had turned her previous mate into a wolf. Yeah, I mean, I guess you have to. I mean, that's you have to look at written text. I mean, yeah. That's, that's all you can do. Well, I mean, that's look at the whole, uh, and I know we're not talking about aliens, but look at the whole ancient aliens movement. All that does is look at ancient text and kind of pick out where, yeah. you know. So, yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, so um, werewolves made another early appearance in Greek mythology with the legend of... And I'm bringing, I'm going to butcher this word. Lycaon? Lycaon? Probably lycan. Or, or lycaon or lycan. I mean, since the root yep. of lycanthropy is lycan. Yep. So I, we'll just call him lycan. <clears throat> so I'm liking this guy. Oh! Uh, oh. Because he's a werewolf? <laughs> My sister's going to Oh, yeah, me. she's going to get mad. <laughs> um, so according to the legend, uh, lycan, the son of uh, Pelascus, we're going to go with that. Yep. Angered the god Zeus when he served him a meal made with the remains of a sacrificed boy. That's not gross. No. As punishment, the enraged Zeus turned Lycan and his sons into wolves. Um, werewolves also emerged in Nordic folklore. Yeah, so you definitely see a lot more um, wolves definitely in this regards like yeah. one year and uh yep. different things like that so. i mean i i just finished a not too long ago a book that was written by neil gaiman that's about norse mythology mm-hmm. and and i think i've mentioned it on here before you but have. it's it's uh, again if you can get the audio book it's so cool because he does all the voices and stuff <laughs> but there but then in there it talks about you know the um one of the sons of loki uh, being a, a giant wolf. Yeah, Renier. So, yeah. Like, he's uh, one of the most famous werewolves. Yep. <clears throat> so, um, the saga of Volsungs tells the story of a father and son who discovered wolf pelts, <clears throat> excuse me, that had the power to turn people into wolves for 10 days. Interesting. 10 days. Interesting. There's a whole, there's probably a whole, like, 
thing that can be done around numerical significance. Oh, and, I'm and, sure. So, um, so the, uh, the tournament to wolves for 10 days. The father-son duo donned the pelts, transformed into wolves, and went on a killing rampage in the forest. The rampage ended when the father attacked his son. Oops. Causing a lethal wound. The son only survived because a kind raven gave the father a leaf with healing powers. Probably Odin. <laughs> Probably. So, yeah, so that's, um, you know, yeah, so you've got, you know, basically all, all kind of around the globe uh, different um, interactions with werewolves. Yeah, it was just interesting, the 10 days, because usually you associate werewolves with the full moon, and so that's three days, right? right. So it's, I would love to do a deep dive it's, into the 10 days. Well, and it, it kind of reminds me of the... Um, uh, Wally Cody, uh, when he's trying to get the sheep, mm-hmm. so he dresses up like you know he puts on a sheep yeah. pelt to look like a sheep. It's kind of the opposite, <laughs> I guess. But yeah. Um, <clears throat> so there's uh, goes on to talk about some of the kind of werewolves or, or folks who we either were accused of being a werewolf or uh, associated as being a werewolf uh, throughout history. So <clears throat> uh, many so-called werewolves from centuries ago were in fact serial killers <laughs> much like the vampires like elizabeth bathory yeah, exactly. <laughs> which by the way i've watched like four elizabeth bathory movies since we did the episode yeah it's crazy it's crazy <laughs> <laughs> it's so many different versions of, and things like it was crazy wow. so uh france oddly enough had um a uh werewolf serial, serial killer guy and his name was pierre Borgol. Oh, that was pretty. And Michel Verdun. And it, it should also be noted that Michel in French is just Michael. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyways. Anyway. So allegedly swore allegiance to the devil. There it is. And claimed to the devil. And claimed to have an ointment. Oh, it's just some Axe body spray. <laughs> <laughs> I think there is one called Sin or something. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> and an ointment that turned them into wolves. After confessing to brutally murdering several mur- murderers. Murdering? Yeah. Murdering. Murdle! Several children, they were both burned to death at the stake. It, it says here that burning was thought to be one of the few ways to kill a werewolf. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, then it goes on. Giles Gagnier, also French, uh, known as the Werewolf of Dole. Werewolf. <laughs> Of Dole. Werewolf. Of Dole. <coughs> Not, is it the Pineapple Company? I don't yeah, know. that's what I was <laughs> wondering, too. After was another 16th century Frenchman who, whose claim to fame was also an ointment. Uh, I mean, you know, we're looking at the same time period here, so. Yep, <clears throat> with wolf morphine abilities. It's interesting, The um, I wonder, and I didn't, I didn't think to look this up, the uh, Dr. Jekyll... Mr. Hyde, mm-hmm. you know, he had a, um, I don't think, what was it called? It wasn't called an ointment or, but it was, it was basically like a potion, yeah, a potion. that he would drink to turn into Mr. Hyde. So well, that, already I'm starting to see things because, you know, uh, goes on this legend as well. He killed a bunch of children and ate them, right? And so already we're looking, we can see probably where a lot of Grimm's fairy tales started yeah. to come from because... Yeah. Their wolves always ate children. Like, yeah. that was a big thing. And grandmas. Right. <laughs> um, but, and he also was burned to death at the stake. Mm-hmm. Classic move. Yep. 
Um, <clears throat> you know, it kind of anecdotally here it says, you know, you know, they don't know if they were mentally ill or acted under the influence of a hallucinogenic substance, <laughs> like an ointment, <laughs> or or were just simply, you know, bad dudes. Uh, but it, 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 all of that is still up for debate. But uh, but yeah, so <clears throat> then we get into the bedberg. Not the big bug. Oh, man. I was like, the bed bug werewolf? Get out of here, dude. Get off my bed. You're not pretending to be my grandmother. What tiny feet you have. <laughs> um, so you got Peter Stube, a wealthy 15th century farmer in Bedburg, Germany, uh, was the mo- or maybe the most notorious werewolf. According to folklore, he turned into a wolf-like creature at night and devoured many citizens oh. of Bedburg. Interesting. And to think about, this was, uh, we're looking at, uh, like, probably 100 years or less before these other ones. Before the other guys, And yeah. France and Germany is neck and neck. They're right next to each other. I wonder if that legend spread. Or if he was a vampire, or, I mean, excuse me, if he was a werewolf, did he turn these other guys? Right. Oh! <laughs> Maybe his blood was used to make the ointment. There you ooh, just this, got deep. It got deep. Got very Elizabeth Bathory in yeah. there. So uh, it says here that Peter was eventually blamed for the gruesome killings after being cornered by hunters who claimed they saw him shapeshift from wolf to human form. He experienced a grisly execution after confessing under torture to savagely killing animals, men, women, and children and eating their remains. He also declared he owned an enchanted belt that gave him the power to transform into a wolf at will. Not surprisingly, the belt was never found. Well, of course, Mammy. It's like the, all the witch trials and everything. It's like, I'll say whatever you want me to say just for you to stop yeah. pulling my fingernails out. Right. Like, well, it just blows my mind. I mean, what is, what is interesting here is the belt was never found. So did he not own any belts? Because what what makes an enchanted belt an enchanted, like has it got a barking on it? Yeah. You know, does, does it say you know made? In Maybe pipe? I mean if you look at a leather belt, I mean you could carve runes or different yeah. things into it. I don't it, know. It said made in Thailand. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> he bought it off of Amazon. <clears throat> so uh, Peter's guilt is controversial since some people believe he wasn't a killer but a victim of a political witch hunt. There you go. Or, you know, World War II. Um, either way, the circumstances surrounding his life and death stoked rampant fears at the time that werewolves were on the loose. <sighs> Man, I, I mean, we still live in a very, very crazy age, right? I mean, everything we're dealing in America right now, other things around the world, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And there are times I'm like, oh, my God, how, how are we even here? But then at the same time, I'm still thankful yeah. <laughs> that we don't live in an age right. Where, you know, and I'm sure some countries still do this, but like where we as Americans do not live in an age where uh, somebody could be like, "Mm, I saw him. I I, I saw his teeth. He's got teeth. He's a vampire. Let's burn him. Right. Well, and, um, you know, think about it a couple, you know, a few years ago, we had the big uh, solar eclipse, Mm -hmm. Um, you know. Hundred, not hundred, but uh, you know, five hundred or a thousand years ago. Oh yeah, we would have been sacrificing people. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about the uh, shapeshifter as a werewolf. Hmm. So some legends maintain werewolves uh, shapeshifted at will due to a curse. 
other state they transformed with the help of an enchanted sash or cloak made of wolf pelt. So this gets back to those other two mm-hmm. stories. Still others claim people became wolves after being scratched or bit by a werewolf. There we go. That's the that's yeah. the, the lore that I know. Yeah, but that's, I think that's probably what comes out in most um, movies and, and Yeah, when you get into sort of more of like the fantasy stories of werewolves and stuff, that's when you start to see more of the magic side of things with yeah. a pelt or with a belt. Or with the felt. <laughs> <laughs> Watch it melt. I felt like I felt like I needed to make it. You know, but there. yeah, that's where you start to see yeah. those things take place. Well, you know, the, when you get into fantastical sides. Like even like Lord of the Rings and type yeah. stuff, you know. Well, just like the uh, Hugh Jackman, um uh what's the guy <sighs> blinking on it, the guy who killed Van Helsing. Yeah, Van Helsing. Mm-hmm. You know, that one was once you got bitter scratched and you would t- have the same fate. So. Right. Um in many werewolf stories, a person only turns into a wolf when there's a full moon. Um, and, and here's an interesting thing. That may not be too far-fetched. So, uh, according to a study conducted at Australia's Calvary Mater Newcastle Hospital. Uh, probably not Toe Mater. From <laughs> cars. Toe <laughs> Mater. A full moon brings out the beast in many humans. The study found that of the 91 violent acute behavior incidents at the hospital between August 2008 and July 2001, excuse me, July 2009, 23% happened during a full moon. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've always heard that. And, and people are, I'm crazy on the full yeah. moon. Like, I mean, it's, think about it. I mean, all throughout my lifespan, I mean, it, it, there's a full moon tonight. It's going to be a crazy night. I mean, it's just. Yeah, you've always heard that. I mean, truth be told, I mean, it's like. Saturday when we went to Grim Trails, I mean, like, I was hyper as a mug all night long. I couldn't sleep. I stayed up until, like, 4 in the morning. I was just so hyper. Sunday I was hyper. Monday I was like, I'm so tired. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and I've been tired for the last few days. And my kids were a little cray-cray this weekend, so. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so patients attack staff, display wolf-like behavior such as biting, spitting, and scratching. Although many were under the influence of drugs or alcohol at the time, it's unclear. No, no big deal. Yeah. Why they became intensely violent when the moon was full. Mm-hmm. So, now we get into you know, the question that, that's asked, are werewolves real? Um, so, the werewolf phenomenon may have a medical explanation. Okay. So, we've got Peter the Wild Boy in 1725. He was found wandering naked on all fours through a German forest. Many thought he was a werewolf, or at least raised by wolves. I was getting into some Pecos Bill stuff. <clears throat> Peter ate with his hands and couldn't speak. He was eventually adopted by the courts of King George the First and King George the Second, and lived out his days as their pet. <laughs> so rather than trying to like, you know, I'm thinking. Um, What's the story, uh, 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 Mowgli, uh, the, the Jungle yeah, Book? Yeah, Jungle Book. Instead of like trying to bring him back into society, they just said, Here, boy, here, come on. That's what the British do different. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez Louise. This is why Americans started the war. Like, right there. <laughs> right there. No representation for boys by raised by wolves. Yep. Let's throw their tea into the harbor. Mm-hmm. So, um, Read short, uh, research has shown that Peter likely had Pitt-Hopkins syndrome. 
which is a condition discovered in 1978. Hey, my birth year. Woo! That causes lack of speech, seizures, distinct facial features, difficulty breathing, and intellectual challenges. Hmm. So, I mean, I imagine if you had all that um, and you were also kind of uh, wild in the woods and stuff mm-hmm. a lot, you know, yeah, I could see where somebody might distinct, you know, mistake you for being a wolf boy. Yeah. Um, so there's some other medical conditions that may have cur- encouraged werewolf mania. Uh, so there's like lycanthropy. 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 Which is a rare psychological condition that causes people to believe they're changing into a wolf or other animal. Mm-hmm. Uh, food poisoning. Oh, um, okay. I can have all kinds of weird. Uh, oh, I, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. It can, I mean, you know. it depends what you ingest. For right. Sure. Exactly. Um, I'm gonna. You, you take this next. Hypertrichosis. <laughs> Good job. Which is a rare genetic disorder causing excessive hair growth. Right, you've seen those wolf people. They were on um, Geraldo and all yeah, kinds of yeah. different stuff. And these people kind of tended to um, work at carnivals and stuff yeah. in the early days. Yep. Yeah. Uh, rabies can cause all kinds of weird uh, psychological and behavioral ad- mm-hmm. you know, issues. Um, hallucinas- uh, hallucinas- I can't. Hallucination, I? possibly caused by hallucinogenic herbs like there you go. shrooms. Or peyote. <laughs> or LSD. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, it, it's, throughout the centuries, people have used werewolves and other mystic beasts to explain the unexplainable. In modern times, we just know that they're nothing but pop culture horror icons. Or are they? Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Right, because werewolves still have a cult following. Yep. Uh, every year, werewolves are still reported sighting, and werewolf legends will likely continue to haunt the dreams of people everywhere because it is. It is actually the monster that seems the most likely randomly, yeah. like for people. Right. Like, because, oh, it could be just a monster. But, uh, favorite werewolf. What's your favorite werewolf in movies? Mine is Wolfman from Monster Squad because Wolfman's got nards. <laughs> <laughs> um,. I kind of like uh, American Werewolf in Paris. Oh, Paris or London? I like the Paris one. You like the Paris? Get up. You're not allowed on my other podcast. Well, and, it, and it's only because I like the Bush music. Oh, well, yeah. That was that was definitely 90s as, yeah. as you could yeah. get. Had Matthew Lillard in it, too, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Very 90s. So I do like American Werewolf in London, too. Um, actually, that was probably my first werewolf movie I ever saw as a kid. Me, too. Because, yeah, that was uh, Landis that did that. And, yeah. man, just absolutely frightening, which... Ooh, lordy, that's what led to the thriller video and all oh, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. So, let's get into my favorite. Um, Frankenstein? Nope. Okay. Vampires. Is it, is it vampires or vampires? Oh, well, if they're your friends, they're your vampires. But if they're <laughs> not, they're vampires. <laughs> ah, so, um, what are vampires, Stefan? Excuse me. Vampires are evil mythological beings who roam the world at night, searching for people whose blood they feed upon. They may be best-known classic monsters of all. Most people associate vampires with Count Dracula, the legendary blood-sucking subject of Bram Stoker's epic novel, Dracula, which was published in 1897, but the history of vampires began long before Stoker was born. In fact, what is a vampire, you may ask? Yep. A vampire. There are almost as many different characteristics of vampires as there are vampire legends but the main characteristic of vampires is that they drink human blood 
They typically drain their victims' blood using their sharp fangs, killing them and turning them into vampires. Not all the time, though. Yeah. Sometimes they just drain them. Drain them vampires are very much like Superman. Over the years, you just writers were like, let's give him more powers. Yeah, let's, let's just, make him fly. Yeah, let's let's just let's just uh, well, I don't know Superman for. Let's just use his eyesight to rebuild the wall of China, <laughs> the China's wall. Like uh, it just gets ridiculous. But yeah. vampires are that way too. Um, let's see. In general, vampires hunt at night because sunlight weakens their powers. Some may have the ability to morph into a bat or a wolf. There's a lot of uh, cross contamination yeah. there. Uh, vampires have super strength and often have a hypnotic sensual effect on their vampire on their victims, which uh, I don't think happened until Dracula. I'm, if I recall correctly, I think the hypnotic stuff was a, a Dracula, and, and, and that, and actually in a lot of things like Buffy the Vampire Slayer yeah. or other things I mean, like that, he's yeah. the only one that could do right. it. It's kind of his special thing. Right. Uh, let's see here. They also cannot see their image in a mirror, and they cast no shadows. So. So yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting that it says sunlight weakens their powers because mm-hmm. <clears throat> I've always seen everything with like sunlight is like kryptonite. I mean, just it just depends on what you're watching. You know, well, even then, kryptonite sometimes it like completely debilitates Superman. Sometimes he's just like, oh gosh, yeah. I can't move very fast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna lay here. If I lay here. <laughs> If I just lay here. Will this kryptonite move away from me? <laughs> I mean, that's essentially what's happening. I'm watching the old Superman serials on the DC Universe app, and that's yeah. what they just got the kryptonite, and he's like, oh, can't move. He basically turns into William Shatner. <laughs> can't move very fast. Yes. I can't. Someone move kryptonite. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so we yeah. got... Vlad the Impaler. Don't want to spend too much time on that. We did a whole episode on that. Um, But, of course, it's thought that Bram Stoker named Count Dracula after Vlad Dracula, also known as Vlad the Impaler, who was born in Transylvania. He ruled Wallachia, Romania, off and on from 1456 to 1462. He earned his nickname because his favorite way to kill enemies was to impale them on a wooden stake. And it's also said that Vlad the Dracul... Uh, which means dragon, by the way, yep. enjoyed dining amidst his dying victims and dipping his bread in their blood, which is very Catholic. Very Catholic. Yeah, I can see that. Um, last, last uh, what's it called? Trans, trans, transubstantiation. Yeah, there you the go. Last, the Last Supper. Yep. Um, and there are a lot of churches that will take that bread and dip it. And even in Catholicism, they have their, their big cookie that they got, and they dip it in the wine and... Eat it like that. So it's a cookie. Weird. It's a cookie. It's just has no sugar. Okay. Um, but yeah, this stoked Stoker's imagination. <laughs> uh, good times. <laughs> and uh, so he made Dracula from Transylvania and he sucked his victim's blood and could be killed by driving a stake through his heart. Um, so I don't know if um, this is where the stake killing them, but I find it interesting that, you know, Vlad the Impaler was known to basically stake people yeah. by I wonder if that was like so if it were to happen to him that's what kills him it's very right. revenge. Yeah. Um but according to Dracula expert Elizabeth Miller, Stoker didn't base Count Dracula's life on Vlad Dracula. Nonetheless, the similarities between the two Draculas are intriguing. Bull hockey. Bull hockey. I call bull hockey. He absolutely did. But anyways, yeah. So somebody always has to get their name as the opposite, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
So, are vampires real? Yes. It depends on who you ask, I guess. Psychic vampires. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, vampire superstition thrived in the Middle Ages, especially as the plague decimated entire towns. The disease, off, the disease often left behind bleeding mouth lesions on its victims, which, to the edu- uneducated, was a sure sign of vampirism. Mm, absolutely, I can see that. Yep. It wasn't uncommon for anyone with an unfamiliar physical or emotional illness to be labeled a vampire. Many researchers have pointed to porphyria, porphyria, which is a blood disorder that can cause severe blisters on skin that's exposed to sunlight. Ah. So that would be the sunlight sensitivity. Right, and that's how that got linked to that. Very interesting. I never knew that. Um, Yep. And then it says that uh, some symptoms of porphyria can be temporarily relieved by ingesting blood. So you go outside, your skin burns, but if you drink some blood, it doesn't. Yeah. Burn. Hey, hey, mom, I got some blisters. Could you go ahead and just cut a vein <laughs> for me? Well, you know what? I forget what uh, show it was. I think it was around like early America that I was watching. It had um, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but anyways, <clears throat> and I was it was really interesting because people got sick, and so they came around with like a wagon holding a guy who had who had the sickness. And so they would go out and like cut one of his lesions off, mix it into some other stuff, and then make a cut on the person and mix that into their skin. It's almost like a flu shot. Yeah. Well, I mean, this flu shots aren't like that anymore, but that's what they used to be, where you would actually be exposed to a live virus yeah. in hopes that it would. So I, I guess they would like mix it up with like penicillin and then smear it on an open wound in hopes that you would get it and then fight off the infection so that you would not be... Yeah, so that you would become immune to it. Right. Huh. So it was... It, that's just that kind of whole mentality around treatment of uh, disease or infection. Oh, or, yeah. I mean, don't even get into uh, leeches, leeching. Oh, yeah. Like, ugh. <clears throat> um, when a suspected vampire died, their bodies were often disinterred to search for signs of vampirism. In some cases, a stake was thrust through their corpse's heart to make sure they stayed dead. Other accounts describe the decapitation and burning of the corpses of suspected vampires well into the 19th century. Yeah, I mean, this here, this false identification of vampirism is a lot of where the bells came into play where they would bury people with a little bell up above with a string that went oh, down yeah. so they could pull on that and say, hey, I didn't actually die. Um, you know, once they started getting past, oh, it's vampirism. Right. Like, because they were. There were people that were still alive and not dead that were buried and then were clawing their way back up. So immediately they were like, vampire! Because oh, right. they didn't have zombies back then. Right. And so they were like, oh, my God, vampire. Well, once they started realizing it wasn't vampires, they were like, oh, well, we still are not good at detecting death. <laughs> so we're going to put, like, windows in. Yeah. We're going to put, right. like, just crazy to me. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, yeah, um, you know. I had not heard this next thing before. Um, have you heard of Mercy Brown? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've okay. heard of Mercy Brown. Uh, one of the best places to check out Mer- the uh, the story of Mercy Brown is on Lore, the Lore podcast. It's one of the very first episodes he does. He talks about Mercy Brown, and I believe on the TV show version on Amazon, he also covers Mercy Brown. Um, but I had already heard of Mercy Brown. I, I, I went through a deep dive years ago on vampires because yeah. I love vampires. And, uh, yeah, Mercy Brown. This is a good story. I'm excited. So Mercy Brown may rival Count Dracula as the most notorious vampire. 
Yep. Uh, it's America's first vampire. So unlike Count Dracula, however, Mercy was a real person. She lived in Exeter, Rhode Island, and was the daughter of George Brown, a farmer. Yeah. Mercy came a-running. Get out of the way. Get. <laughs> yeah. After George lost many family members, including Mercy, in the late 1800s to tuberculosis, his community used Mercy as a scapegoat to explain their deaths. It was common at the time to blame several deaths on one family member of the, on the undead. The bodies of each f- dead family member were often exhumed and searched for signs of vampirism. Mm-hmm. In America. This happened here. Right. In America. Well, in 1800s. Yeah. So when Mercy's body was exhumed and didn't display d- severe decay... It says here, not surprising, not surprising since her body was placed in an above-ground vault during the New England winter. Mm-hmm. The townspeople accused her of being a vampire and making her family sick for her from her icy grave. They cut out her heart, burned it, then fed the ashes to her sick brother. Uh, perhaps not surprisingly, he died shortly thereafter. Yeah, I'm almost certain the, the first episode of Lore of the TV show, they talk about that because they do. They talk about, like taking those ashes and putting them like it's just crazy that they thought that because they thought he was slowly turning into a vampire Vampire. it's crazy man so um you know real vampires although modern science has silenced the vampire fears of the past people who call themselves vampires do exist they're normal seeming people who drink small amounts of blood um effort to stay healthy Communities of self-identified vampires can be found on the internet and in cities and towns around the world. It's not as much as it used to be anymore. I mean, it was a pretty big thing, especially when we were in high school. Yeah, it was the a 90s. huge yeah. thing. Um, there was a really, well, still is, but there's a famous, I hate to call him pagan, but he is a pagan writer named Constantinos, and he writes a, about p- vampirism yeah. in the modern world and how to become a, a vampire today. Well, I, I think everybody who... Um, Everybody who saw anyone who was a goth or anything like that, mm-hmm. they probably just assumed that... Yep, vampire. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, communities... To avoid rekindling vampire superstitions, most modern vampires keep to themselves and typically conduct their feeding rituals, which include drinking the blood of willing donors in private. Mm-hmm. Some vampires don't ingest human blood, but claim to feed off the energy of others. Many state that if they don't feed regularly, they become agitated or depressed. Thus, the psychic vampires. Um, if you have you ever seen what we do in the shadows? No. You should watch the movie first, and then there's also a TV series. <laughs> it's just as good, but it's created by um, uh, Jermaine from uh, Flight of the Concords, and then the guy Takiti or whatever that uh, directed the last Thor movie. Yep. Um, and they're both in it. It's a New Zealand film, but then the new one takes place in America, the TV show, and both are hilarious. And in the new one, there's four vampires that live together, and they do a reality show is the whole thing. But one of them is a psychic vampire, and he's just your regular guy. He goes to work every day and all kinds of stuff, but it's hilarious, huh. man. It's absolutely hilarious. I, yeah, I'd never heard about psychic vampires. I didn't know that was yep, a thing. it is. So. Learn to shield, people. So, um, you know, it says here vampires became mainstream after Dracula was published. Um, Since then, Count Dracula's legendary persona has been the topic of many films, books, and television shows. Given the fascination people have with all things horror, vampires, real or imagined, are likely to continue to inhabit the Earth for years to come. I agree. 
Next. All right. So next up is a little bit of a swing in topic. So when I was putting together my list of uh, monsters that I wanted to cover today, uh, I thought it would be really cool because I saw an article not too long ago uh, to talk about Frankenstein and Ooh. Frankenstein's monster. So <clears throat> there's a there's a meme that, that, that exists out there. I can't remember exactly. I'm going to paraphrase, but it's something like... Um, Knowledge is knowing that it's Frankenstein's monster. Wisdom is knowing Frankenstein was the monster. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so this comes from a uh, an article about uh, some activity that is happening at Yale University. Uh, and this is fairly recent, uh, 2018, May 2018. So a scientific experiment to reanimate dead brains could lead to humans enduring a fate worse than death. So, last month, Yale University announced that it had successfully resurrected the brains of more than 100 slaughtered pigs and found that the cells were still healthy. I'm just imagining my brain not being attached to my body and what that would feel like. So, I'm thinking there's uh, an episode or it happens, it comes up quite a bit in um, uh, what's that cartoon series that has Fry that was like he was oh Futurama Futurama but it comes up and they're like so they have presidents and stuff yeah. that they have their brains and jars and things like that but anyway so <clears throat> that's kind of like the I guess thought process there but when you think about it in the Frankenstein story um, what did Frankenstein need to really reanimate his monster electricity and a viable brain. And a viable brain, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he could put everything else together, but it didn't work without a viable brain and a way to resurrect the brain. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> here's the case where... So, anyway, so the reanimated brains were kept alive for up to 36 hours, and scientists said the process, which should also work in primates, offered a new way to study intact organs in the lab. Although the pigs did not regain consciousness, the team admitted that it may be possible to restore awareness, and the experiments opened the door to the prospect of human brains being kept alive outside the body. Nope, nope. That's some mad scientist 50s drive-in movie yep. stuff right there. Um, so this guy's name, I'm gonna, so Nottingham Trent. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's like, I'm Toledo Stefan. <laughs> You're Louisville Josh. <laughs> Um, ethics and philosophy lecturer uh, Benjamin Curtis said it could lead to humans enduring a living hell. Now here, <clears throat> even if your consciousness brain, if you, even if your conscious brain were kept alive after your body had died, you would have to spend the foreseeable future in a disembodied brain in a bucket, locked away inside your own mind without access to the sense that allow us to experience and interact with the world. It, in the best case scenario, you would be spending your life with only your own thoughts right. and company. That's what I was thinking. It's like you're literally, and it's not even a dream state. You're just thinking. Yeah. That's it. So now as I was reading this, though, and putting this together, I, I thought about it, and I wondered if there would be, so if they could restore consciousness and put you in a VR world, now we're getting into the matrix. Yeah. I mean, uh, literally, right. like that's that's what we're getting into. And yeah, I mean, 
There's and, there's and some uh, work that's being done on that. There's an episode of uh, of Stargate um, SG One series where they stumble onto a planet. They're like knocked out. And they wake up in in this world, mm-hmm. and they realize that they're trapped in a VR world, and on all the inhabitants of the planet are trapped in this VR world too. And so it's just like a you know then it's the whole thing to try to get out and everything. Yeah. But it's the the whole uh, thought behind that was you know the the world was dying, and the only way to survive was to put everybody into uh, suspended animation and then put them in a VR state. Mm-hmm. So, um, but it, from a from a um, living longer attitude, this this does kind of intrigue me a little bit because, um, you know, it, it gets into a lot of ethical questions. Sure, but I mean, could you could your could your current body die and they put your brain in a new body and you keep going? I would totally do that. Um, and there was that movie Altered Carbon, that show yeah, on uh, yeah. Netflix. They talked they a lot about did that. that. Yeah, I would do that. I would absolutely do that. I, you know, I'm even sitting there thinking I might even do the VR thing. Yeah, like just to keep going. Well, and if you could maybe interact with your same people, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, so some have argued that even with a fully functional body, immortality would be tedious with absolutely no contact to external reality. It might just be a living hell. Um. So, in short, um, brains could be kept alive indefinitely and that steps could be attempted to restore awareness, although he said his team had not attempted either because it was uncharted territory, ethically. <laughs> he warned that someone could take the technology and improve it and restore a human being. Right, and, and, that's, and that's where a lot of science has to stop. Because we get into ethics, though it's interesting to look at the ethics of yesteryear. They were burning people because someone said they were a werewolf. Where will our ethics be in right. 50 years from now? Yep. You know. So I want to take, because I don't have a whole lot here, but I want to take just a minute and talk about the mummy. Yeah, so we're, we're running out of time anyway, so this works perfect. Okay. So um, the mummy really uh, started to be a thing after they did, uh, found King Tut. Right. And there was like the whole King Tut's curse and everything. King and he, Tut, you know that, and that's that's where the whole like the mummy movies. That's right. where that came from. Is yeah, King just Tut's mummy fever. It was mummy fever. You know, Imhotep could be, be raised from the grave, and you know all this kind of stuff. So, um, I went out and did a little research to see if there was any uh, um, indicated cases of where this would kind of lend to be true. And so I actually found as part of the Egyptian religion, there is something called the reanimation rite. Mm-hmm. Um, and the rite to prepare the deceased for afterlife performed on statues of the deceased, the mummy itself, or statues of a god located in a temple. And basically what they do is they open the mouth so that the mummy can breathe and eat. Um, the rite which symbolized the death uh, and regeneration concept of the Osiris myth um, which was the dismembered god Osiris was pierced, was pieced together again and infused with life. So this is kind of the, you know, based on Osiris being, you know, one of the gods of the Egyptian culture, mm-hmm. and then, you know, so you got the mummy. And so that it was kind of thought that, and I've even, I remember even seeing some documentation things where they would bury, or they would mummify uh, the pharaohs of the past and bury them with, like, chariots and horses. Oh, and, yeah, uh, pets belong- and all kinds of stuff. belongings and food So when they came back, they could have access to everything. Yep. So, so there's um, the Osiris myth, which basically says that um, <clears throat> Set, which is Osiris's brother, along with the queen of Ethiopia, conspired with 72 accomplices 
to plot the assassination of Osiris. Set fooled Osiris into getting into a box, which Set then shut, sealed with lead, and threw into the Nile. Osiris' wife, Isis, searched for his remains until she finally found him embedded in a tamarisk tree trunk, which was holding up the, the roof of a palace in Byblos, Phoenician coast. She managed to remove the coffin and retrieve her husband's body. Hmm. She then put everything back together, brought like him, <laughs> brought him, used a spell to briefly bring him back to life so he could impregnate her. And then after embalming and burying Osiris, Isis con- conceived and gave birth to her, their son, Horus. Horus, yes. Uh-huh. I actually found a really interesting thing here. So Horus, in a lot of cases, uh, can be intertwined, intertwined with Her- Hercules. Yes. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, so thereafter, Or Osiris lived in, on as the god of the underworld. Because of his death and resurrection, Osiris was associated with the flooding and retreating of the Nile, and thus the yearly growth and death of crops along the Nile Valley. So <clears throat> it's really interesting that, number one, Osiris is the only Egyptian god where you see a wrapping, like a mummy. Yeah. And he was the only Egyptian god to be embalmed and mummified. Yeah. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Ooh, yeah. Um, so, quick, favorite vampire, go. Um, I don't know that I have one. Dracula always wins. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I, I love Dracula. <laughs> My biggest nightmares when I were a kid was of Dracula, Bella Lugosi's Dracula, oh. for sure. I used to sleep with a, a ring of garlic around my neck and a rosary. I kid <laughs> you not. I was absolutely frightened of vampires when I was really, really little. Um, of course, Frankenstein's monster. You can't beat Boris Karloff. Yeah. You cannot. Although I, I, I do like uh, Young Frankenstein. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's a good one. Um, but no, we gotta we gotta start to get out of here. Um, we all these great stories. We gotta get into our listener story. Yep. Um, so the listener story this week comes from our friend Stephen Stanek's friend Joe Alvarez, and so Joe hit us up with a slew of stories, and so uh, we're gonna be visiting those. Um, over the next month or so, um, hitting. But here, here's just a few from Joe Alvarez. My friend Stephen Stanek suggested that I reach out to you guys with some of my stories. I had similar issues with our house that Stephen had with his. We had a Zenith TV from the 1980s that used to turn off and on at will. I remember being around four or five and yelling at the TV. I was watching some Disney movie, and the TV turned itself off. And there in the reflection, I saw a shadow. I yelled, hey, I'm still watching that. And the TV turned back on. That happened quite a bit during my kindergarten years. Our house always had a feeling like someone was there and watching you. My house was considered tracked housing and was built to house airmen from Davis Monthan Air Force Base. My biological grandfather was stationed there in the 1970s and moved his family with him. I don't believe anyone else owned the home before my family. However, it did feel like something was there. Another instance was that my dad had painted his room blood red when he was a rebellious teen, and despite repeated attempts, we could not paint over it years later without it bleeding through. I bring this up because at one point my sister and I started going to Sunday school at a Baptist church not far from our house. One day, my sister won a framed painting of Jesus, and that really seemed to piss something dark off. After she hung it up in her room, 
Light bulbs started burning out within days of putting them in. We started hearing bangs and noises in the house that were more than just a house settling. It came to a head one night when my parents went out and we were at home with a babysitter and some of our friends. We were in the living room and suddenly the light in the hall blew. A few moments later, we hear a loud BAM! We finally worked up the courage to see what happened and found that Jesus painting upside down and across the room with the glass around the face shattered. Our babysitter freaked out and took us to her house down the street. These kinds of experiences were not unique to us, though. Even at our babysitter's house, we saw a man walking down the hall. Around our neighborhood, when my dad was a teen, he said he was hanging out with a bunch of people, drinking and doing what you do as a teen in the 1970s. And suddenly his friend, whose house it was, got picked up by something unseen and slammed against the wall. He screamed for his parents and they came running in screaming. The boy was then dragged down the hall screaming. His parents yelled, oh my God, they found us. After the boy was slammed against another wall, he was able to get free and they immediately got in their car and drove away. My dad said that the house stayed vacant for almost a year. All of their belongings were left and they never came back. But finally, somehow that house was sold. Ooh, man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that dude, I, I just, Steven Stanek, what are you doing to your friends? The thing that, <laughs> the, the thing that stuck out to me was the parents in that one house going, oh, my, oh my God, God, they, they found, found us. us. Yeah. That's just, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, right. I mean, no. I, I would like to find that guy because I bet you he's just got so many stories. Oh, yes. God, man. It, I wish, Joe, I wish your dad knew the name of his yeah. friend so that we could find find him, yep. find him. I we will I will find you. Um, yep. I would spend money on a detective agency to track this guy down because I want to know why the parents said, yeah. oh, "Oh my God, God they found, found us!" Yeah. Like, what in tarnation right. were you going through before this? Yes. I don't know. But anyways, we we gotta go. Yep. We gotta go. But uh, make sure to send your stories to uh, fearscapepodcast at gmail We want those stories. Uh, and thank you so much for tuning in. Happy Halloween. Yeah. Happy and uh, Halloween. blessed Sal and to all my pagan friends. Um, but yeah, this has been Fearscape here at 100.9 FM WCHQ, as well as the Destination Nation Network at destinationcomics.com slash DNN. I have been Stefan, and I will catch you on the flip side. This has been Josh. The truth is out there. And y'all, the veil is thin, so you better get them blankets and hold them extra, extra tight we're out of here good night folks good night